Planet Hope is brought to you by The Times in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. Hans Wilsdorf, the founder of Rolex, used the world as a testing ground for his watches, sending them to the most extreme locations, supporting 20th century explorers in their quest for discovery. As the 21st century unfolds, Rolex continues the legacy of its founder, supporting the explorers of today on their new mission to make the planet perpetual. The Earth is dependent on the individuals and organisations committed to finding solutions to preserve our home, if not for us, then for future generations. And with the Rolex Perpetual Planet Initiative, we're one step closer to a planet with this hope. Discover more about the Rolex Perpetual Planet Initiative on rolex.org. Brazil, home to 60% of what is perhaps one of the most iconic and symbolic places linked to climate change, the Amazon rainforest. But it's not the only forest in the country fighting for survival. 500 years ago, the Atlantic forest spanned 330 million acres, more than three times the size of California. But when European settlers flocked to Brazil, they cleared the land for agriculture and urban development. Then in the mid 20th century, the Brazilian government began awarding large scale forest plots to private owners who cut down trees and transformed the land to support lucrative businesses such as coffee plantations and cattle ranches. And by the 1970s, 80% of the woodland had been lost. But we're beginning to see the seeds of hope as groundbreaking new planting techniques are seemingly breathing new life into the forests and saving animals once thought to be close to extinction. You know, the science says that when you go over, you know, 25% of cover left, you go to you know the very turning point. So if you reach that limit, the ecosystem starts to go to a self you know destruction point that you have to help it. So we need at least you know 25% of the original cover back. We have you know restored 3,000 hectares in the last 22 years. Though that's a large piece of forest. By Google Earth, we see a very good, you know, scenario, very good change what we used to see, you know, 20 years ago. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. Today we hear from the man who is building corridors of trees to ensure a greener future for the Earth. In this episode, we're connecting to Piracicaba, a bustling town in southeast Brazil, just on the perimeter of one of Brazil's better-known urban areas, the melting pot city, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is not only one of the largest cities in the southern hemisphere, but it's also one of the oldest. The city's name derives from it having been founded by Jesuit missionaries on January 25th, 1554, the anniversary of the conversion of St. Paul. But as impressive as this is, it's arguably overshadowed by its neighbor, the Atlantic Forest. Nicknamed the Mini Amazon, I can assure you there's nothing small about the Atlantic Forest. Spanning across an area of 330 million acres, about twice the size of Texas, this biosphere easily took pride of place as the second largest rainforest on the planet. At least, that was the case. For the past 500 years, humans have changed the forest landscape, and industrial booms in the 20th century completely altered whatever remnants of the Atlantic Forest was left, with an increased need for infrastructure and farmland, leading to mass-scale deforestation. A staggering 85% of the original Atlantic forest was wiped out, leaving the small percentage of original forest left 
in small, unconnected fragments. But thankfully, hope isn't lost just yet. I'm Laurie Cullen. I was born in Brazil and I'm one of the founders of our institution, IP, which is the Institute for Ecological Research. It is one of the largest NGOs in Brazil today dealing with environmental conservation and, of course, education and sustainability. IP is one of the largest environmental organizations in Brazil today. We have our headquarters in Sao Paulo, but we work all over Brazil in all kinds of you know, biomes and environments such as the Amazonia, you know, also you know, the Pantanal, the Atlantic Forest. So we are very spread out in Brazil doing conservation. When forester Laurie Cullen Jr. first moved to Sao Paulo in the 1990s to study an endangered species of monkey, the black lion tamarind, most of the once mighty Mata Atlantica, Brazil's vast Atlantic forest, was gone. Destroyed for timber and cleared for farming, its removal had come at a devastating price to many native animals and plants, most of which are not to be found anywhere else on Earth. But now, the Brazilian forestry engineer is proving that agroforestry, which involves combining tree planting with growing crops, can revive degraded soil while saving the forests and fauna, including the endangered black lion tamarind, jaguars, tapirs and ocelots. His organisation, Instituto de Pesquerias Ecologicas, IPE, has been reforesting at an average of 100 hectares a year, or more than a million trees. In 2011, the largest reforestation corridor in Brazil was completed, a 700 hectare green link between the state's two main remnants of forest, and Laurie continues to expand the work. But before we learn more about the projects that Laurie works on, I asked him to start by telling me more about the state of the Atlantic forest today. The Atlantic forest is a very endangered ecosystem. It's one of the best, one of the most endangered you know, biomes in Brazil today. Only 18% left. So a lot of it is, is already gone. It's highly fragmented. So what's remaining is mainly in, in the coastal forests along the ocean, uh, but it's highly fragmented. And what is so special about the Atlantic forest, it has high level of endemism, endemic species. And so there are a lot of species that occur only in the Atlantic forest. So if it's gone, all the species will also be gone. And no other places we can find the species that we find today in you know, this very type of forest. That's why we work to, to fight against devastation and, of course, against fragmentation which is the most problem that we have, highly fragmented. They have to be, you know, re, you know, connected. Yeah, you need big bits of continuous ecosystem to make it healthier. So, you, you know, so this, this is like the last refuge for some species that aren't found anywhere else on Earth. And you mentioned, you know, just there that we've lost four-fifths of the ecosystem already. Why is that? What are the main threats and the reasons that we've lost so much of it? You know, 40 years ago when we had agriculture expansion, yeah. cattle ranching expansion, much of those threats have really you know, settled down today. So I can promise, I can say for sure that, especially in Sao Paulo where we work, we have seen a scenario that the forest is bouncing back. That's good news. So all the pressures that occurred in the past do not occur currently. You know, we have you know, 18% left in terms of cover. So not much of that forest is left, but 18% left in terms of the 
original cover, but it's it's bouncing back. You know, it's you know regenerating. It's uh, especially with large scale restoration project that we have in Sao Paulo today and also in other states. That's very good news. We have gained more forest in the past five years in terms of what we saw in the past. In recent years, environmental experts like Laurie have worked tirelessly to recover parts of the forests that have been destroyed. The past 30 years of conservation work to rehabilitate this biosphere have exceeded expectations. The thought of people actively setting the land on fire and pulling down trees somehow feels like a distant memory when Laurie shares the success rate from his work. But at the time, it was a momentous problem, causing catastrophic devastation. In Brazil, under President Jair Bolsonaro, deforestation has intensified significantly, specifically in indigenous areas, increasing by more than 138% during his first three years in office. We are in the midst of a tipping point. It's where the forest cannot regenerate on its own. So it starts a process of dieback. It's a vital ecosystem, right? It's an existential threat for humanity, for the planet. You know, there, there's no safe climate future. Between July and 2021 and July 2022, Brazil lost an area of forest the size of Qatar. So there's urgent work to be done to repair and restore and halt future deforestation. The drier climate obviously makes the forest more vulnerable to drought and forest fires and so on. Deforestation also brings in extra risk of fires from people using fires to cause deforestation and also as the forest is fragmented from deforestation it gets more vulnerable for drying around the edges. These two things together could act past the point of no return. The main threats to this depleted landscape all derive from human game. From illegal logging to land conversion for agriculture and expansion of urban areas. These pressures not only threaten the Atlantic forest's biological diversity, but they're also threats to the forest's poorer traditional rural communities, whose livelihoods are directly linked to the conservation and sustainable use of natural resources. The remaining 18% of the Atlantic forest is still among the most biodiverse forests in the world, and it exhibits a high number of species that can be found nowhere else on Earth, so-called endemic species. But there is still an acute risk to the survival of the Atlantic forest's biodiversity, due to the current patches of the forest being so disconnected. In fact, Laurie said that when he first arrived in the Pontal region and saw the landscape from satellites, he thought that most of the remaining wildlife had zero chance of survival in the long term. That's a damning diagnosis for a once thriving biosphere. Laurie's work on rehabilitating the forest by connecting fragmented areas together via tree corridors has made an outstanding contribution to the preservation and conservation of this ecosystem. And through the continuing support of Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative, Laurie is able to share his work to a wider network of individuals, allowing for an even more prosperous future for the Atlantic forest. But before we hear more about the success of Laurie's forest corridors, I asked him how the past devastation to this biosphere affected the wildlife in the forest. For example, you know, the picture that was responsible for the launching of IP, the very important tamarind, black lion tamarind. It's one of the most endangered primates on Earth. There are about 800 uh, individuals left in the wild, 800, not over 1,000. So that's a very, uh, very good example of uh, an animal, a small primate 
that still ranges in these very fragmented pieces of the forest and they have to be you know reconnected somehow that's where we do our work in terms of you know corridors for life corridors trying to reconnect so that's a very good e example a small primate that only occur in the western range of the forest and that is highly fragmented highly fragmented populations we thought it, it, it was extinct in the 70s and in the 80s we knew that could be a possibility that to find new you know populations in the wild because it was extinct by science in the 80s me and a couple of friends, we found that they, here there might be a little you know, possibility of still find some roaming animals in the wild. So that's how IPE started. That's how our, our institution started you know, 30 years ago, finding new populations of the black lion tamarins in the wilds and seeing that they would not you know, survive in the long term in this highly fragmented habitat. So that's how we, we found the IPE and we found these this large uh, institutions in Brazil today. And we found the equation, the right equation that to save a species from the extinction, you have to work with large scale restoration and of course with the, you know, the local communities that live in the landscape. How did you rediscover? We knew by in some fragments that the local people we're saying that they, they saw this monkey here and there. We entered the forest, we did all these line transects, and we spent like a, a month walking, finding, serving in these local, these local forest fragments. And we, we found eight new populations, eight new groups of the species in a very isolated you know, scenario. That's like, hey, they will not survive. They will not survive. There is inbreeding, there is all these demographic problems that we have to solve. That's when we, we, we said, okay, we need, we need you know, all these corridors for life. That's when we, we have to manage them somehow. And you know, the best way to do it is, is to, you know, to reconnect this piece of uh, isolated forest by f with using you know, the forest corridor approach. Okay, got you. And what's their status today in the Atlantic forest? You found these eight new populations. Today, if we talk about you know the black lion tamarins, about 800 uh, individuals left in in some conservation areas, but also in some of them in the small forest fragments that we need to you know to reconnect. And are there some species in the Atlantic forest that we've lost already? Yeah, a lot of birds, butterflies, some some you know small mammals, primates. The, you know the sloth, for example, the sloth that used to live in this forest is not here anymore. Birds, for example, you know the jacutinga, which is a very nice, beautiful bird that is it's already extinct in the in the in, in the forest. And you know there are a lot of locally extinct species. For example, you know the jaguars, the pumas. They used to range in some of these patches, but they are not there anymore. A lot of the locally extinct species. It's a very a special environment. You can find a lot of species, biodiversity, endemic species, large mammals. I did my you know PhD with jaguars, so I capture a lot of jaguars in my you know PhD studies because I wanted to know how the jaguars see the landscape. So we do radio tracks 
about 25 animals during uh, eight year 30, because I thought that not only tracking jaguars, but also pumas, uh, ocelots, that was probably the best way to learn from, you know, the jaguars, you know, perspective view, how the jaguars see, you know, the landscape and using that information to restore his own habitat back. So that was my, you know, my really, I could say the turning point where I found that by learning with animals, you know, perspective, we can bring a lot of that information to habitat restoration. Got you. And we've been talking about wildlife. I mean, as I saw for myself when I went to, I was lucky enough to sort of visit areas of rainforest around Manaus last year. And, uh, you know, obviously people live in these ecosystems as well. To what extent, you know, in terms of what we've lost of the Atlantic forest ecosystem, to what extent has that been about politics, political decisions that were made? We have a very good forest code law. We have a very good legislation in Brazil and today. Brazil is well known, especially in Sao Paulo states, as a country that has one of the, you know, the, the very best environmental legislations on earth. So that's helping us to, you know, guarantee that what's left in terms of forest, especially in Sao Paulo, it's not occurring the same situation in Amazonia and the north, for example, but in Sao Paulo, the forest codes and also the Atlantic forest law says that what's left has to be preserved, has to be maintained, and what's not left has to be restored. For example, I can say that each property, each land parcel, each farm, each rural property has to restore by law at least you know 20% of its land. So that's a very good code. Yeah. That's a very good law that says if you have a farm, if if you you know don't have the forest there, you have to restore at least you know 20%. So that gave us a chance, a great opportunity to restore back a lot of these areas and a, a lot of these corridors that need to you know to reconnect these remaining forests, highly fragmented. So I guess looking forward a little bit, Laurie, how concerned are you for the future of the Atlantic Forest? You know, the science says that when you go over, you know, 25% of cover left, you go to, you know, the very turning point. So if you reach that limit, the ecosystem starts to go to a self, you know, destruction point that you have to help it. So we need at least you know, 25% of the original cover back because that's called, you know, the very turning point. The point of no return when the system is starting to go to a self, self, you know, process of, you know, destruction and losing a lot of its services. So that's why we are here for, to go back to at least, you know, 25% of the cover and say that, okay, we, we are safe in that way. I think, like, when I look back and see what we have done in the last 30 years, I think that it's possible to change, to make large-scale large restoration as a main tool to bring a lot of this forest back. We restored 3,000 hectares. Ipe has, you know, restored 3,000 hectares, the area of, you know, 1,000 soccer fields in the last you know 20 years but only in the last year we started 1000 so there's a learning curve there's a learning uh escalating experience not only with ipe but also other you know partner 
institutions saying that, okay, we have learned it, we have learned how to do it, we, ha we have the tools, we might have the funds, you know, necessary, we have the local engagement, we have the local support, and we have all the, all the environment and all the atmosphere that we need to large, to escalate the restoration back, not only in Sao Paulo, but in other states in Brazil. We know how to do it now, and we know it's, it's possible. That's very good news, and that makes us feel, uh, think that, okay, we, we know how to do it, we really can do it. We, we can, we have learned now how to bring forests back. Large-scale restoration, it's possible today in Brazil. We're talking to the forest engineer, Laurie Cullen Jr. Laurie has made it clear that despite years of devastation, the Atlantic Forest is successfully being revived. Through Laurie's project, Corridors for Life, the team are able to reconnect the fragments of the original forest back together. Today, the imperiled wildlife shares the landscape with a sizable human population, relocated to the region in a land resettlement scheme. They, in many ways, hold the key to whether or not the forest can survive. To inspire local farmers, Laurie invented a dream map, a scientifically-based plan to restore 60,000 hectares of vanishing forests along with its animals, linking the isolated fragments of the old forest so wildlife can move between them and continue to expand the forest naturally. Since it began, Laurie's dream map has guided the restoration of 3,000 hectares of forest and generated $2 million for the local economy. In contrast to other regions where land clearing persists, this expanse of renewal is now also helping the world to combat climate change by locking up 800,000 tonnes of carbon every year. I asked Laurie what he thought about this success. We have you know, restored 3,000 hectares in the last 22 years, though that's a large piece of forest in terms of you know, connection, especially because we only restore areas that have uh, importance in the landscape, that will you know, reconnect somehow conservation areas with these other forest fragments. So I would say the scenario today, when you see it by Google Earth, that we are very, we see a very good you know, scenario, very good change what, what we saw, we used to see you know, 20 years ago. So that's very good news. Uh, it's possible to restore large areas in the Atlantic forest involving you know, the local communities and the farmers. Yeah, and can you just explain sort of how you go about that process of, you know, you described it as sort of building corridors. Can you just sort of just explain for people who are not familiar with the concept, what it is and how you go about it? All the work that is done is done with the, you know, climate community and biodiverse a tripod. So a climate, because we know that, you know, forest helps against all this climate change. We have a very important component related to local people. All the restoration that is done, every tree planted, every tree that is you know, produced in local community nurseries, is done by the local people. We have what we call the dream map. So we have you know, designed the, you know, the future in terms of where to restore, what are the best, highly important areas to restore that will make a very important difference in the landscape. We don't grow trees, we don't plant trees at random. We only do you know, restoration where it's important in the landscape. That's why we have what we call the dream app, to reconnect, to see the landscape in the future. That's our dream. And we have been doing that in a very speedy process now. We restored 3,000 hectares in the last you know, 
20 years, but only last year it was, you know, 1,000 hectares. So out of these 3,000, 1,000 was just last year. So it's been speeding very quickly and we want to store another 6,000 in the next two years. So, and we have very good news, very good approaches, very good partners that I think we're going to allow us to go for the Dream App in total. All the Dream App is about 100,000 hectares. So if we want to restore back 100,000 hectares in Western Sao Paulo, and if that is done, I can you know guarantee that's very good news for all the wildlife that is going to be finally you know reconnected among this very fragmented landscape. That's a huge, huge ambition. Um, uh, and one of your, I think, Laurie, one of your biggest supporters of the, your work has been Rolex. Um, you won a, a Rolex Awards for Enterprise way back in 2004, I think. Uh, how did the, winning that affect and sort of impact your work? Oh, the award it has a huge impact in reputation, in visibility. You know, it's really helped to open new doors for new investments, new donors, new, new you know, uh, kind of friends, partnerships. So the Rolex Award, it was key to open doors for a name as, as a signature, as a brand for our work. So as a huge stamp that we, we get for in terms of, of course, you know, visibility and reputation. Got you. Uh, I want to ask as well why the... Uh... It's always be good to have a little bit of understanding of why the sort of company's perpetual planet initiative is important to your work, and also I guess you have access to this kind of community of laureates that they have. I just wondered if you could give a sense of the importance of that to you. Yeah, I mean, if we want to, if we want to escalate conservation, if we want to escalate forest landscape restoration, we need these new partners in size, in reputation. In partnership, really, that's there'll be no other way that we can escalate conservation in Brazil, and I mean scale. I mean, 100,000 hectares in the next, you know, 10 years without good partners. And I think the reputation, the visibility of of being a partner and uh, and a member of the you know Rolex community is gonna allow us to go for that ambition. Being associated with a big ambition. With uh, the especially now the you know perpetual planet uh, mission, I think that uh, opening you know, new doors, new windows for more helpers, more funders, and more you know of course visibility. And talking of scaling up, but once to sort of step back a second, and I guess look a bit sort of bigger canvas. I wonder when when will you know your work's done? When we you know you talked about this, you got this new sort of hundred thousand hectare kind of goal and. Will you be ever be able to sit back and say yes? The forest is safe. Job done. Yeah, we we see it, it happened today because all the forest that we we have planted, you know, twenty two years ago, it's still there. It's healthy. It's it's safe. It's been you know colonized by all these other be, these beautiful uh, wildlife. So again, we have to look in the past. To say that okay, what we've done in the past, it's it's neat, it's nice, it's possible, it's huge, it's it's ambitious, and why not? And we, we have learned how to do that. So we know it's really helped to you know to pave the way for the future and to say that okay, we can do that, this ambition is, is fair enough, 
and we would, we would just go for it. Laurie, I'm sure there are a lot of other depleted forests around the world which would be keen to learn from your methods. What's the secret to your success? People ask me what's the most important component of the success is long-term and institutional presence. You know, if you want to make a change, you have to be there. You have to, you, you have to be part of the ecosystem. You have to be part of the local community. You, you have to go for engagement. So long-term institutional presence is key. And all the change, all the, all the results that we have got in, in the past, they were only possible because IPE, our institution, our staff, our people, our team, it's part of the local community. And that makes a huge difference. Being part of the ecosystem, you have to be part of the local community. You, you have to be present. So as long as people have sort of boots on the ground, as it were, relationships with people on the ground. Boots in the ground. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's possible. A lot of our staff, a lot of our, you know, extensions, people, a lot of our team, a lot of our staff, they are part of the local community. So that makes, that brings reputation, that brings pride, that brings, uh, you know, trust in our relations, and that opens, you know, communication. Got you, got you. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off with a sort of ridiculously big question, which is, are you hopeful for the future of planet Earth? I am very, very hopeful. Again, because I look to the past to, to say that it is possible. And we have learned how to do it. There is a huge learning curve that our team, our you know, institution have to, has to say. So I'm very positive, and I think we have very good partners, very, very good funders, very good team, and a very good law, very good system in terms of policies in Brazil that it's, it's helping us you know, to, to, you know, to pave the way to the dream app and to the big future. It is possible. Got you. So even though we are still losing forests at a horrific rate around, around the world to deforestation and other factors your experience gives us hope because we know we can restore those forests if we if we have the will we can do it yes it is possible to do that in a large scale that's the good news one thing that we never thought that would be possible in the past today i say that it's possible you know to change you know the landscape with the local community's involvement You've been listening to Planet Hope with me, Adam Vaughan, and my guest, forest engineer, Laurie Cullen, Jr. This podcast has been brought to you by The Times in partnership with Brolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. The series producer is Anya Pierce, the production coordinator is Oliver Adamson, and the production assistant is Shana Johnson. You can listen to us for free on The Times radio app and download every episode in this series from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thank you for listening. Planet Hope is brought to you by The Times in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. For nearly a century, Rolex has championed pioneering explorers who have shed light on the world and pushed the boundaries of human endeavour. Today's explorers are no exception, but they have a new focus, to make the planet perpetual. The Earth, once a playground for discovery, now needs our help to protect and preserve the natural world. Rolex supports the individuals and organisations who are protecting our world and inspiring generational hope as a part of its commitment to a perpetual planet. Discover more about the Rolex Perpetual Planet Initiative on rolex.org.